the year is 2021. As the world faces threats of both a pandemic and rampant stupidity, the future of movie theaters and film itself begins to look uncertain. Amid the chaos, two film geeks try to make sense of it all. When all hope seems lost for our pair of cinephiles, a beacon of light shines in the distance. A trailer so beautiful, so insane, and so over the top that it might just be the film to pull our heroes from their malaise. That film is Godzilla vs. Kong. Our nerdy duo sees this as a call to arms and embarks on a journey that few would dare, with one a seasoned Godzilla expert and the other an optimistic newcomer. Together, they will take the franchise head-on, watching all 35 Godzilla films in a time span few mortals could manage, all leading up to the grand finale of Godzilla vs. Kong. Join them as they escape to Monster Island. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Not Buff Film Buffs podcast. Uh, my name is Wes Skinner, and this is Josh Lapierre, my good pal and cousin and Godzilla guru. And this is the second Whoa. episode of our Escape to Monster Island podcast, where we are going through every Godzilla film, all 35 of them, all to get to the release of Godzilla vs. Kong. Josh, what's up? How you doing? Not bad. How you doing tonight, bud? <laughs> Good, man. Uh, given that we, uh, to break the fourth wall here a little bit, we just recorded the first half of this episode. So we're doing the second half of the Godzilla Showa era now, the last six films. So this is sort of the home stretch of that portion of the Godzilla franchise. And it's been a fun ride so far. It's been a, I want to do a little, little pit stop, a little check with you. So at this so, point, how are you? Not going to lie, I was definitely feeling some Godzilla fatigue because yeah, I marathon this because we started, I started my marathon on the 22nd of January and by the 31st, I was already on the 10th Godzilla film. So I was, I was feeling it and it doesn't help that this next one is so good. It's so good. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I love you, Godzilla and Toho, but why do you go and make this one? So I will have you start off. We're going to get right to it. So after this, we're going to finish up these six Showa films. And then after that, we're going to, at the end of the episode, we're going to rank all these then so far and then give you a little preview of our next episode that'll come next week. So Josh, whenever you're ready, why don't you lead us off with the next movie? All right. So for the first Godzilla movie of this back half of the Showa era, we start with all Monsters Attack, also known as Godzilla's Revenge, also known as the biggest piece of shit in the Godzilla franchise besides a tuna head. All right, so the film is about Ichiro Miki, a latchkey kid living in Tokyo who daydreams about visiting Monster Island, the home of Godzilla and his son Minya and other famous kaiju. Ichiro befriends Minya and learns that he's just like him and he deals with bullying too, specifically from a giant toad monster, Gamera. Gabara. God damn it. Ichiro helps Minya face his tormentor and tr with triumph, while his lessons and bravery teach Ichiro to deal with two kidnapping bank robbers. So, right. yeah, this is the biggest mixed bag what-the-fuck film the entire franchise has had. You know, that's saying something, because these next couple right after it are pretty, like, out there as well. Yeah, this is the shortest of the entire franchise, barely running over an hour. It's only an hour and nine minutes. So at that, it doesn't even feel... Oh, it feels much longer. But the worst part is, it's, this was a theatrical release. 
not like an after school special for kids. This was a theatrical, like Toho was like, yeah, this is good enough to put out into theaters. I don't know how this didn't kill the franchise. I'm shocked that the franchise was able to survive 20 something more films after this. It baffles me. And I painfully watched this one sober because I, you know, I was like, you know what? It's been a decade or so since I last watched it. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to go in with an open mind. Not even that saved me from... I was on my phone. I was doing anything I possibly could just to make the hour go by faster. And even with the use of one of my favorite Godzilla suits, I was just yeah, no, so, not having it. So this one, for the anyone just tuning in, this... It's my first time seeing most of these. So Josh, you kind of knew what to expect when we got here. I had had a little bit of, we had a couple conversations which alluded to the fact that this one was not very well received and was not very good per se. And I expected the worst. I, I was ready. I strapped in and I tried as hard as I could to respect the process. But just like you, I was struggling. Like, hour and 10 minutes is rough and this movie is essentially so to kind of explain the structure of it it's essentially kind of a like picture like a crappy version of never-ending story right with like a kid kind of going to this fantasy world to escape their real world problems and it's that type of film it's just done very poorly (laughs) and he he really idolizes all these monsters which I do appreciate about these the franchise so far is that they acknowledge kind of that people know about they acknowledge that all these fights and these these events in the movies have happened so well, they sort of oh what's I'm up interject something quickly mm-hmm. right now this Godzilla movie is literally the only Godzilla movie to take place in the real world that's true this one that's is not true. canon to any of the franchise this is literally supposed to be the quote unquote realistic one where Godzilla is just like for us, a movie character. Oh, really? So I thought that, that's strange. I actually thought that this was like, he worshiped the actual, because this was when like Godzilla was the defender. So I thought it was like, these events actually happened and he just had like toys of them and stuff. Nope. This is canonically taking place in the real world. That's so weird. And so essentially the movie is more or less just a series of, clips from previous ones yeah it's just a series of him going to you know uh with minya as my favorite fucking character godzilla's son who looks like a little turtle demon just (laughs) carrying him through like fucking care on the underworld (laughs) yep just taking him through all these scenes and it's not even like it's like the last three movies like they didn't even dig that far back they're just like eh, just grab like my notes kind of yeah my notes just kind of devolved into oh so this is just the fight from son of godzilla and these are the final shots from destroy all monsters and they barely hide it too ebra oh they don't even bother it's yeah like you can easily see that it's different suits (laughs) um I mean, yeah, Godzilla has inconsistently had a different design and everything, but at least it stays the same for its own movie. This one, because it's using stock footage, it has the Godzilla suit from Sea Monster, Son of Godzilla. Um, Is there any other ones? Because I know they use footage from... I just do those destroy all monsters. Yeah, those those were the three I know um, know, off the top of my head. I know there's some brief footage of Gorosaurus from King Kong Escapes. I know there's stock footage of that in there. But what's painful about this one, this is Ichiro Honda. 
This is the director of Gojira, of Mothra versus Godzilla. So he knows how to make a really friggin' good Godzilla movie. He also knows how to not. Yeah, and what's weird is apparently this is one of his favorites. So it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, this this is definitely when the series started to test my patience a little bit. Because the last couple, as you know, I, I surprisingly liked Ebra. That was a pleasant surprise for me. But wasn't crazy about Son of Godzilla. Destroy All Monsters was not quite what it was hyped up to be. And then you have this one, which is just... Yeah, it also came out a year after Destroy All Monsters. So it's just like, how? Yeah, it, it feels like this should not have the franchise should not have been able to keep going after this. Like it really feels like they had just jumped the shark and there was no coming back and it doesn't recover from that feeling for a couple movies. And it's, it's kind of sucks. It's kind of rough. Franchise fatigue hit this hard with these next four movies. And (sighs) so I want to talk about, the one original thing in this, which is is Gabra, right? Which is which is the nickname for the boy uh, Ichiro's real bully. life bully. Yeah, his real life bully, and is also a Monster Island bully, who is this big creature who's essentially just like Godzilla. If his neck was stretched out, his face was like pushed in, less like, like snout like. Yeah, if he just looked like a little like long necked pugged nosed like godzilla with like a carrot top wig and he's bright green and he just looks ridiculous and i hate him and he's not creative he doesn't have any cool powers he's just he just sucks and oh man i tried so hard to find stuff to like in this movie and it's just it's yeah it really feels like and it it does still i guess kind of have that heart and like the passion that he's put in his other movies until you get to scenes where yeah it's just three four minutes at a time of just a movie you've already seen and i think i even fast forwarded through one because i'm like i just watched this yeah i wouldn't blame you on that either and for me i was i did i take a break between era like sections of film yeah i took like a two-day break between destroy all monsters and this one because i was just putting off having to watch this one (laughs) One thing I do, I kind of respect what they were doing for a story, and that was bringing up the fact that a latchkey kid is something that still happens in Japan because Japan is very work-oriented. You know, kids have gotten so used to their parents never being home that they have to, you know, fend for themselves more or less. And I'm like, that's a cool concept. Like, I'm glad they're touching on that. But again, that feels like an after-school special and not, you know something made for theaters i guess you could have you could have taken that and kind of stretched it out i mean there's a couple human moments here that feel a little too good for this movie like the relationship with his his, is it his grandpa whoever the old guy is he that he's with a couple times i think it's just a friend of the family like an uncle or something okay yeah yeah there's a couple scenes with him that are okay and i almost think that the human stuff worked better because it just felt like a mediocre kids movie rather than a really bad godzilla movie yeah like it's just so I don't know, it feels fourth Wally too, just for the fact that the kids dreaming of going to, you know, Monster Island and I don't know, just Oh, I just realized we haven't hit the biggest note of this movie. Which one's that? Minya fucking talks. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, I I genuinely blacked that out of my memory of this movie. <laughs> I genuinely did not want to relive that. 
I am very thankful that the Jap, you know, I watched the Japanese version because in the American cut, he talks like this, like hello. <laughs> so serious. I am dead serious. So that's I why everyone's at all. Oh, I, I almost. I'm so thankful, you know, as a kid, that's the version I watched. But, like, looking back on it, I, I have the one line where he's like, Godzilla says I should fight my own battles, you know. And that has just been, it's so that's badly awful. delivered that it is just engraved in my head from such a young age. And I just, every time I see Minya, that's, that, that line instantly just pops into my head. And I'm just like, no, get out. <laughs> Yeah, you already know that uh, Minnie and I don't have the best relationship anyways. So having to see his demonic face throughout <laughs> half this movie in between like shots, of, it was just like salt on the wound of having to see shots that I have already seen and entire scenes I've already seen. I think there's some interesting ideas here. I actually think that you could have made this like kind of a almost indie style family drama approach. And then combining it with like a monster dream world is kind of an interesting. Yeah. You could have done some cool stuff with that, but again, it just it takes all of it's the wind so out of poorly, this movie's sails. It's yeah, poorly executed. Very poorly executed, and it doesn't help that yeah, it just it feels lazy. It feels like oh, they're really committed to the story they're trying to tell until it doesn't feel like that anymore when you're just watching all these fucking scenes you've already seen. For taking notes on this movie. A, I'm surprised I was able to get two pages worth of notes. Granted, most of it's just kind of me rambling on about the movie. And I was so, you know, digging for, you know, just getting anything for notes. I actually wrote the same note twice without realizing it. <laughs> Calling it a clip show nice. of the movie. And it's just like, oh my God, I was so like stretching for things that I'm literally writing the same shit twice. Yeah, it, it's just, I mean it's so repetitive too it's just kind of the same thing over and over again and yeah. until we get to the third act which is just fucking dumb it's just these villains now breaking into this like abandoned house that the kids in the whole thing is a fucking mess yeah and they even brought in poor kenji sahara for a brief cameo to play the kid's father i'm just like dude i feel bad for you you had to fucking taint your filmography with this one well yeah and i don't know when i was saying that there were moments that were actually pretty good like the mother kind of crying at the end is really good like when she realizes that her son was in danger there's some little human moments like that where you're like it, it kind of reminds you like oh yeah like ashira honda can do that stuff pretty well See, and if it, they just don't have enough of it this feels like it should have been its own like coming of age style story but like just keep the godzilla shit out of it especially where because another thing that's interesting this was Ishiro Honda's second to last film in the franchise. Which is crazy. Yeah. And he was also the one to direct the special effects in this. I don't know. It just it felt like it didn't need to happen. I mean, granted, you could probably say that for the next batch of movies we're about to see, but at least they <laughs> tried something to stay Godzilla-esque. This one, literally 90% of the fights are just stock footage. Yeah, and I don't know, it's kind of, it even takes the, any sort of heartfelt message that was supposed to be in this movie, it really kind of ruins it when it comes down to like, basically telling kids like, oh, are you neglected by your parents and bullied all the time? Well, better learn how to man up and fight, pussy. Because that's yeah. essentially what this comes down to is the kid's like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta fight my own battles, just like fucking Minya. So I'm just gonna punch this kid in the face, and then he'll accept me. And it's this really weird, like, it's like, what are you, part of a guy's club? Like, yeah, what, what is this? So, very strange. 
very weird movie and it was really hard to find many redeeming qualities out of it and yeah i just really tried to close yeah maybe it's just because you know we didn't live that you know time period so maybe it just didn't obviously connect with us but it's just like yeah again i mean it's a movie you want to make excuses for right because yeah shiro honda is such a great talent but i just kind of feel like every once in a while you strike out and i feel like this movie striked out yeah it's just i wish we could ask him why he liked this one right if only yeah, and I mean, even even in some of the regular, like the human parts of the story, there's some decent shots, there's some it's a, occasional good acting, and it, it's just kind of, it's frustrating that it's all wasted on this thing, you know? Yeah. It's half a movie, but I don't know about you, that's all I have to say about this thing. Oh yeah, no, fuck, let's get this one out of here. <laughs> all right, so next up, for better or for worse, is another weird one. So Godzilla vs. Hedorah. With a strong environmentally focused message, Godzilla vs. Hedorah features the smog monster, Hedorah, who feeds on the pollution produced by mankind. Hedorah continues to feed and evolve. Godzilla rises to confront the creature before it can threaten him, as well as all of humanity. However, Hedorah is bolstered by mankind's pollution and continues to achieve larger and more powerful forms, to the point it dwarfs even Godzilla and causes horrific devastation to all of Japan. Marine biologist Toru Yano and his son Ken work to find a method to defeat Hedorah as Godzilla's war against the smog monster culminates in a decisive final battle atop Mount Fuji. There's Mount Fuji again. There's Mount Fuji again. So this one is wacky. Sorry, go ahead. uh, This is also so far of the 30-odd films, the only one we've watched together. Yes, that's true. We did watch this one together, which was fun. And this is the only one that I did not make notes for because, for one, it's very simple premise-wise. It's essentially just, it's the 70s, people are partying, and a monster shows up, people keep partying, and then then Godzilla (laughs) fights the monster. This is probably one of the ones where it's as simple as, and I did kind of appreciate that simplicity of just, here's a monster, Godzilla's going to fight it because that's what Godzilla does, rather than this whole kind of like rigmarole and over-explained story and over-convoluted plot. And there's no aliens, thankfully, in this one. Which Well, Hedorah's quote-unquote an alien i guess true but i'll take him over like dudes in silver suits with little weird laser guns again (laughs) (laughs) we get that a little later don't worry i'm assuming that i'm not escaping that motif in this series but this one was yeah so there's a lot to address here there are the cartoon segues the animated segues that come out of nowhere yep there's the james bond like theme song (laughs) <laughs> which is all about pollution and every song in this movie is about pollution and this movie is like pollution the pollution movie pollution 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 and you're it's not oh, did handled, I mention that pollution is pollution yeah it's not handled in that way that honda would handle these messages right where it's like very subtle and kind of visually metaphorical it's just very obvious like everything in this movie yeah. just beats you over the head about like how humanity is destroying humanity by pollution and it's just it's a little it's a little much at times but in a way i know they know that making that clearly and <laughs> you gotta kind of appreciate you know if the last one felt like an after school special this one feels like a some sort of like informative infomercial about pollution. How bad right? pollution is. Yeah, this feels like a, this kind of feels a little bit like a special too, but also much darker and weirder and grim. At oh, times. yeah. So to put into context, 
after I want to say Invasion of Astro Monsters when the Godzilla franchise started going to the more lighthearted, more kid-accessible films. And so early 70s is when Godzilla was supposed to be the most kid-friendly. Yet in this fucking movie, there's people turning to skeletons, people getting covered in, you know, slut. You just see dead bodies everywhere. It's so weirdly violent. Yeah. Like, oh, wait till we discuss how Godzilla handles Hedorah at the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, this thing is... It's honestly a lot of fun and it's a little bit, it is refreshing to have a movie where the, yeah, the whole focus is just the fight and they don't even really bother with the human characters. I, I couldn't oh, yeah, tell there's, there, there. at all. If you thought past Godzilla movies had bare bone characters, you ain't seen shit till you get to this one. Yeah, I will say that the the scientist kid is actually hugely refreshing because he's a likable kid and he's useful, unlike fucking Ichiro from the last one but again he just they make kind of a kid lead character and then have him just running around the city seeing these horrific things oh yeah and it's such a weird mishmash of tones that I almost appreciated it and you can tell that you know they just did not give a fuck making this movie (laughs) like and they were like we're gonna do what we do I mean they gave a fuck about whatever their vision was but they clearly didn't give a fuck about you know any boundaries or any like crossing of any lines they're like we're just gonna go for it and they really throw everything against the wall and some of it sticks literally because you you see Hedorah sticking to walls (laughs) yeah i will say Hedorah is very cool looking and his different forms are weird but unique and and uh i like his like almond shaped red eyes are very iconic and yeah are a very simple but unique touch that kind of make this creature still menacing but just stands out from the rest you know yeah one thing that's interesting is the suit actor who plays hedora in this kempachiro satsuma this is first of 10 godzilla movies he works on he goes on to play wow, gigan really? yep he goes to play on gigan in the next two movies and then he gets to play godzilla himself for the next seven godzilla movies after the oh, show cool. era ends i didn't realize yep. that yep so that was one thing that was cool is to see him start off in this movie Nice. As the villain. And uh, Huru Nakajima yet again returns. So this is now, what, 12? Whew. Yeah, this is the 12th film. No. Yeah, 11th film in the franchise. Wow. So what, uh, what, what were your thoughts on this movie? And how did the, uh, how did the rewatch fare up? Well, this is the one that I've, I have weird childhood nostalgia for. Because I had the Sony release from way back in the day for the 50th anniversary. So this was also the first one I ever watched in Japanese because my five-year-old mind did not understand how to get the uh, the English audio track. So that was interesting. And uh, now that I'm basically a walking Godzilla encyclopedia. What? Have, yeah, I know, right? Me? No. I learned a lot, you know, after countless watchings of this movie that Yoshimitsu Bono, the director, was banned from making Godzilla movies after this one. Because Tamiyuki Tanaka, after seeing it, was so disappointed that he thought this would kill the franchise and banned Bono from ever making another Godzilla movie, which he did not stop trying forever. And yet Um, he he, let Ishiro Honda make that leper of a movie. Yeah. Before this. Um, Because Bono actually has producing credits on the three Legendary movies because he's one of the reasons that Legendary was able to make Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and now Godzilla vs. Kong. That's pretty cool. He passed away in 2017, so 
you never got to see his ideas fully realized. R.I.P. Bono. But yeah, I just found that so interesting that Tanaka hated this one, but was okay with revenge. You and I talked about this a little bit after we, because, you know, obviously we try and go in blind with these, but, or we yeah. try and like wait to talk until the podcast, but this one, we saw it together. So naturally discussion came up and we, we were talking about it. And I do kind of feel like the fact that Ishiro Honda has done so much for the franchise, they probably were like, ah, we'll give him one. You know, like, yeah, we'll let him get away with he's done some weaker ones, but he's never done anything like that. Like if there was one director in this franchise that I thought was going to make a movie that bad, it was not him. So I feel like that's sort of where maybe their mindset was when it came down. Yeah. So for some reason, the 70s was trying to top each other with the most ridiculous things to have Godzilla do. Yes. And uh, they started off pretty ballsy with this one. Godzilla flies. Yeah. So, all right. If we're just getting into it, the last probably like 15 minutes of this movie are fucking wild and are a total, total blast. Yeah. So he flies away. Why did I don't even remember the context of the flight? So the whole thing that they're going to do to defeat Hedorah is use two giant like reflectors that they're going to shoot electricity through and basically electrocute Hedorah to death. Yeah, that's right. Bullshit happens, so Godzilla's the reason they're able to finally use the electric pads. And Godzilla fries Hedorah (laughs) in probably one of the most graphic ways. Godzilla's holding Hedorah in place and just frying him constantly. So Godzilla's just straight up savage in this movie. Then he goes and continues to rip out Hedorah's guts. And then zaps them some more. Then rips out two eggs, zaps them some more. Oh, yeah. I forgot Hedorah had eggs and Godzilla just fucking nuked him. Yep. And so Godzilla's like, you know, I'm satisfied. I'm going to fuck off now. He goes about five feet or 500 feet because he's so big. Turns around, kicks a rock, and a second Hedorah launches out of it and starts flying away. Godzilla That's then it. turns around, starts breathing his atomic breath at the ground, and flies. And he's in this like weird like yoga pose too, like this very yeah. strange like hunched over like. He's holding his tail. It's kind of adorable. <laughs> it's kind of adorable. Also really strange. Um, and nightmare inducing as well. <laughs> yep. I liked it. We were it, in tears. Honestly. We were in tears yeah, when this scene I, was over. I laughed a lot. I was not expecting that. I was, I'm very I, I, see, thankful for me, that that I was spoiled for me. I was so happy to <laughs> witness this moment with him because as someone who knows of this, it's just like, I love the reaction people have. Now, what's funny is that, yes, that scene's absurd, right? But yeah, the whole like, and he just starts ripping Hedorah's corpse apart. And he's like, man, the fact that you're, you keep getting zapped in this little microwave thing is not enough for me. So he decides to just start tearing what look like organs out and throwing them in the most casual, nonchalant way. Like his, his mannerisms are very human and that he just kind of looks like a serial killer, just admiring his work. And he just like looks at the organ and like tosses it behind his back. And he's like, yeah, good, good job, Goji. And you're kind of like, what is, what am I watching? Like, it's so weird and you get so many different versions of Godzilla throughout these like last three or four movies that you just don't know what to expect from the guy at this point. Oh yeah. Really fucked up. He's really unpredictable. And those are the scariest ones, honestly. Oh yeah. Like, Oh man, this movie was just wild. One of my favorite quotes is bang. That's wild. And it's said by the kid. And he just says that and walks off screen. 
Yeah, there's no no there's rhyme no, or reason. Just he's like no context, wild. And no pretense. It's just it, there's so many moments like that too, where I kind of just it's it's weird that a movie with so many standout crazy moments like kind of just fell out of my memory almost immediately. But I think it's just because I. It feels like a drug trip. I mean, it feels like oh, they're doing. Oh my god, dude! The club scene alone feels like a drug trip. Yeah, because there were there's people in fish masks at some point dancing around. There's like nothing makes sense, and you could tell every scene the director was like, "Let's get as weird as possible." And like they probably had this party scene set up, and he's like, mm, "Not weird enough." Fish masks, yep. do it. Yep, let's go. And yeah, you could tell he did that with a lot of the animation transitions and stuff like that. So overall, I think this is a fun, weird one, but it feels very much like not part of the franchise, you know? Yeah, it's, it was weird. I think that's all there is to say about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Did you I ready? mention it was weird? <laughs> yeah, it might, by the way, pretty weird. Uh, you ready to move on? Oh, yeah. All right, do it. For the next film is Godzilla versus Gigan. Struggling manga artist Genko Adoka finds himself employed by the World's Children Land, a theme park which turns out to be a front operated by the M Space Hunter Nebula aliens, say that five times fast, working together with Shima and Takasugi, who also know the aliens' true nature. Genko tries to sabotage the Nebulans' plans to conquer Earth. In the meantime, the Nebulans summon their own monsters, Gigan, along with the dreaded King Ghidorah, to lay waste to human civilizations. However, Godzilla and Anguirus learn of the Nebulans' nefarious plans and head to Tokyo to confront the space monsters before they can destroy the world, while Genko and his allies try to stop the aliens' invasions from inside their base in the Godzilla Tower. Oh, yeah. Did I mention they have a giant tower designed to look like Godzilla? Yep. This is Godzilla. This is a Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah. This is uh, this was one that I had a lot of childhood nostalgia going into for this rewatch. It's uh, Haru Nakajima's final performance as Godzilla because he, just like the rest of us, was getting Godzilla fatigue. And this poor <laughs> bastard at this point has been wearing the Godzilla suit and countless other kaiju suits from Toho and other production companies since 1954. So the guy deserved a rest. It's still the same suit from uh, Destroy All Monsters, which is very evident by the end of it, because it is literally falling apart. You can see hunks of skin like flaking off the arms. It's just like, oh, they, they massacred my boy. Jun Fukuda returns to direct. Like I was saying in the last movie, Kampachiro Satsuma returns to play Gigan, so it's cool to see more suit actors kind of returning. Definitely. Afukube returns, but I don't know if he scored the whole movie because I saw on the Wikipedia, and I think it's mentioned in the film credits itself, another composer. Um, I'm not going to try to read his name because it's in my handwriting, and oh lord, I can't even read my own handwriting. Sure. Amen. The main theme is actually really good that plays over the title screen. That theme's actually really good. But a lot of it is kind of just recycled music from past 12 or 13 movies. Some of the fight footage is uh, recycled footage. And there's so much military recycled footage that it's just like playing a who's who of what movie. Oh, we got stock footage from Ghidorah, Destroy All Monsters, War Gargantuas. That's just the name of a couple of the movies they use uh, stock footage from. <laughs> Yeah, and the stock footage is so bad at times. You actually see, I believe it's Gyra from War of the Gargantuas. You catch a glimpse of him if you're paying attention because they forget to edit him out for the stock footage. And it's just like, guys. Yeah, this one's forgettable. 
That's really the best way to put it. So I got a very heavy, like, and again, props to them for being able to come up with at least an original overall vibe after having done, or at least original to the series, I should say, because everything they were kind of doing at this point was just kind of like, oh, let's harp on another thing going on in the 70s or another trend. And let's just try and like, you know, see how that fits into Godzilla. So this was kind of your like teen mystery fad that was going on back then with like Scooby-Doo and things like that. And it really, it really has that kind of feel to it. But I, it doesn't help it at all because it's no. just not investing. And it, it, like the past couple, it just feels so small compared to those original films. Yeah, because, um, again, production budgets have been cut yet again because Godzilla is just not a bankable thing. So, yeah, we get a cool destruction scene with Gigan for new footage, but it's also interspliced with stock footage from Ghidorah's previous rampages from other movies. You can easily tell, too, because there's daytime shots mixed in with nighttime shots. And it's just like, guys, you didn't even freaking try at this point. Yeah, there really is kind of like this. They get into this really bad trend of using the stock footage and using like, and it it really just wears on the series. And it really, the fact that, like you said, the suits were wearing and like the music's getting reused, shots are getting reused. Like everything just feels so desperate at this point to just try and cobble together movies. And yeah. it's impressive that they're even able to make a movie with an, this many original scenes in it, right? But it still doesn't feel really like that special, you know? They just, they kind of lost it at this point. There are some cool aspects. Like, I do love Guy Gen's design. He looks amazing. Definitely. And it sucks that he's only in three movies. <laughs> and it seems a lot of Godzilla fans are in agreement with that, is that Gigan's fucking awesome looking and he's in some of the worst movies. In oh my series. God. It, the next movie he's in is even worse than this one, but that's going to be a fun one to talk about. One thing that was really cool was this is the first time we ever got to see Godzilla with a true ally, like a true like companion, which was, that was a cool concept. I'm kind of, kind of glad they did it. Um, Anguirus, like I said, in the description of the movie, your um, boy, your boy, Anguirus. boy, Anguirus, he returned and he does a good job putting up a fight with a uh, Godzilla. Yeah, the final battle is also the bloodiest the series had ever gotten. And it's a pretty decent fight. I mean, considering this movie overall is pretty lame, by the end of it, I, I sat up a little bit. I got a little more into it. I was like, okay. But I mean, like, yeah, overall, just the characters are so weird. And, like, there's the guy who's walking around eating a corn on the cob half the movie. And yeah. it's just, like, no gruity between anything. There's no, like nothing feels like it all belongs in the same movie and that, oh that, yeah no some of the worst godzilla movies have that feeling of just kind of like here's a bunch of things pasted together that we thought we'd like to see all these things in a movie so why not put them all in this one it's just strange and of course they're oh, yeah. fucking aliens again we're back to fucking yeah aliens. and that was becoming a common complaint was alien invasion yet again yeah i was like oh cool like a theme park i was like maybe it's this like theme park tycoon who's like a real evil asshole who is gonna do some evil shit you know kind of like the um the pharmaceuticals guy from king kong or the media guy from uh that would have been too clever for this movie <laughs> yes very much so and it's unfortunate because yeah there's some cool fights but i mean i really just i stopped taking notes throughout this movie i just started i kind of stopped caring about a lot of it and just got it, it it really wears on you. Just like I kind of was starting to feel, I was starting to lose a lot of hope at this point in the series. And I was really like pushing and pushing and pushing. And this was like the pinnacle of that feeling. Oh yeah. 
like like we were saying, the suits were falling apart, and uh, like the King Ghidorah suit, I'm pretty sure might have even been the same suit from Destroy All Monsters. So that was four years ago at this point. And I forgot um, Ghidorah is even in this movie. Yeah, and it's just like he does not have the elegance that he did in the past ones. Like when it shows them flying, they're as stiff as a board, and it just looks bad. This era of Godzilla is the cheap era. Yeah. This is where I'm surprised the franchise was even... This is running on fumes. Yeah. Like I said, it really just felt like they were trying to cobble something together and hope that they get a surprise hit out of it. And that feels like what this whole chunk of films that we're in the middle of right now kind of felt like. And it was really a sad feeling because I know that these are all still people that care. And this is a series, like I said, with a lot of heart and a lot of passion and hard work put into it. But boy, does it show when they just don't have what it takes to do what they want. And yeah. And that's another reason why uh, Jun Fukuda was always disappointed is he got the short end of the straw. He got the bad productions, the cheapness and everything so that's why i'm really glad he was able to end on a bang which we'll get to in just two movies agreed agreed yeah i think i think if i wasn't maybe if i maybe was at a different point with the show era and with these movies in general at this point maybe i would appreciate this more like if this was one of the earlier ones i'd be like that's ah, not so bad but i think it's placement in the franchise is just really representative of where things were and yeah it's unfortunate that we don't have more to say about it, but again, it's kind of feel like we've kind of been repetitive with these last couple, but that's just kind of how it was, you know, it's, it's really just, it was stock footage and it was like subpar acting, subpar writing, subpar fights, like, you know, and the Which fights is, here are better. Some of the best ones we've had in a couple movies, but that doesn't say much. Yeah. Um, one of the cool shots I liked was when Godzilla flipped Ghidorah over his shoulder, which was like, dude, that's cool. But then they use that, they do that same shot like two or three more times after. And it's just like, you're clearly just reusing that one shot, just yeah. playing it multiple times. There's this weird tactic of like, oh, if we take four minutes of footage and turn it into a 12 minute fight, no one will notice. And it's like, we'll 100% notice though. We'll yeah. absolutely notice. I mean, yeah, there was some cool stuff. Like I liked Gagan and Ghidorah flying around, kind of circling the Godzilla tower was a cool shot. But yeah, they both just deserve a better movie. And for me, you know, coming into this, like I said, from Ghidorah's first appearance and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, he's been the most compelling monster for me to watch. Like, I love watching him. And for me to not like this movie at all. Yeah, <laughs> or he literally just stood around for most of out. it, too. Yeah, it's kind of a bad sign, you know. And again, I like, I like, I thought Gigan was a really cool creature. He's a really neat design, and I had seen him before because you had collectibles and stuff. And and I the video games, like. don't forget. Yeah, and the video games from back in the day. So like, I knew what he looked like. So I was really excited to see him in this franchise. And it just sucks that he got this movie, you know. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. <laughs> no, I'm pretty pretty tapped out. Talking about it now is just I'm reliving that fatigue and that sort of just kind of like constant beat down of where this franchise was. So, oh yeah, let's move on, shall we? Yep. All right. right. On the next one. So, Godzilla versus Megalon. Underground nuclear testing in the Aleutian Islands damages the undersea kingdom of Seatopia whose angry inhabitants send their guardian monster Megalon to the surface to seek revenge on humanity. Inventor Goro Ibuki, his brother Rokuro, and his best friend Hiroshi Jinkawa find themselves caught up in the Seatopian's plan as they plan to use Goro's invention, 
the robot Jet Jaguar to guide Megalon. Goro manages to free Jet Jaguar from the Seatopian's control and sends him to Monster Island to recruit Godzilla's help. The stage is set for a colossal tag team battle when the Seatopians recruit the aid of the evil cyborg kaiju Gigan from the M Space Hunter Nebula aliens, with Godzilla and Jet Jaguar facing off against Gigan and Megalon. So, Josh, you ready for this? Oh, yeah. This is one of my fucking favorites. I'm saying that <laughs> with zero irony. This movie is so stupid and so ridiculous that I fucking loved it. I absolutely like this movie just shits on the franchise with style and I <laughs> am so fine with it. Like I literally I've been so giddy and I've been so for anyone listening this is the one I've been hiding my opinion from the most from Josh because I know this is like I, I understand that this is like rock bottom for the franchise. And this thing is so ridiculous. But my God, did I have a great time. I mean, this is B-movie <laughs> glory. Like, this is just like a movie you could get a bunch of friends in a room with, have a couple drinks. And I swear I called Leah down like four times to just come see what I was laughing so hard at. And she like showed her a couple scenes and she's just like, this is fucking something else. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... I had a total blast. Jet Jaguar is such a lame, like, ripoff of Ultraman, which, Josh, you know much more about. But I uh, oh, yeah. I know enough that, you know, it's it was another popular series at the time. Toho kind of being in this phase of constantly, desperately trying to riff off of popular trends was like, hey, let's do our own Ultraman. And we have Jet Jaguar, who's just so fucking lame but has the best theme song which we get to hear at the end and is just yeah i had a lot of fun with this dude i'm not gonna lie i was not <laughs> expecting that because i genuinely hate this movie <laughs> like if this was a chore to sit through like i know i know you hate it and i love it i i was sitting there and i was watching and i'm just like i mean granted the final battle if it i even have it listed in my notes that if the final battle hadn't been so reliant on stock footage as well i loved it it was so like stupid i loved the final battle but again it relied on this fucking glorious if it hadn't used the stock footage it would have been in my top five favorite battles See, this movie's so shameless and pointless and like desperate that it just really felt like they were like, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. There's something like beautifully, like something beautiful about like just the self-destruction mode that Toho went into at this point where they're just like, we don't care. Fuck it. We're just going to Operation Scorched Earth and we're going to make the weirdest fucking dumbest movie we can. And I, I had so much fun. I really did. I thought this one, unlike some of the other ones, which I found a little like cheesy or on the not as good side, like this one kind of felt like it knew more of what it was, you know, and not in a way like King Kong and Godzilla where they had control of it. It was like they didn't have control of this. This is just what they had left in their in their tank. You know, this is just like their like final emergency flare that they shot up into the air and they were like, fuck it, let's try this wacky thing. And because of that, they just put everything they could into it. And <laughs> it's just, it shows. I, th- I thought it was really, really just fun. Yeah, I, it had this B-movie appeal that not many of these have had because they've always tried to take themselves a little too seriously if they didn't have enough resources. And it's like, it's okay to take yourself seriously if you have the resources to make a good film. 
but this one didn't have any of that. So they just committed to making a bad movie and that's where it stayed. And I was perfectly fine with that. There's what, like two or three car chases in like the first half. Oh my of God. I, why are there so many car chases? I don't know, but I fucking love it. <laughs> and there's um, just like, I think I, funky um, 70s flute music and like oh man it's so good i'm pretty sure i made a note of it somewhere in here of why are there so many car chases was it just a bad time i feel like i wrote that somewhere this movie it's so cheap it uses six separate films for stock footage consisting of i did not write how many godzilla films it took stock footage from but i think it's Ghidorah, king kong versus godzilla godzilla versus gigan and what's bad is it even hide the fact that it's stock footage because there's one scene where it's supposed to be Megalon rampaging through Tokyo and it's stock footage from Ghidorah for his lightning beams. And then it's supposed to be Megalon, you know, smashing buildings. But you clearly see Gigan in the footage. That's so it's just so like, good. oh, bad. Yeah, the movie was filmed in three weeks. You can tell. You can absolutely tell. The whole production, so from the concept to when it was theatrically released was only six months yeah i mean nothing works in this movie and that's kind of why it worked for me <laughs> like i, I kind of i honestly just the fact that it was such a disaster it was such a train wreck of a movie like it just made it interesting to watch you know it wasn't like just kind of like oh well, let's try really hard and make this like okay movie and you're just kind of like meh by the end of it like it was more like oh we're doing that okay <laughs> and I'm just going to list just some of my favorite things in this. Go so for far. it. The boy on the tiny little motorcycle is hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when the little brother is like floating off into the water and they somehow yep. have like a little grappling hook thing that they just shoot at him to just yep. like save him. <laughs> Weird. Yep. Okay, sure. Everything Jet fucking Jaguar is so dumb. And so good. I love the how emotional the inventor gets with Jet Jaguar and how every time there's so many like scenes where Jet Jaguar will just be like standing with his arms straight up in the air and the guy will just be weeping, just like, oh, it's my, it's my creation. This is, he's developing his own will. <laughs> so yep. It's so good. I love the crazy conehead ladies in Seatopia dancing in front of oh. a wacky silver statue. Can we uh, discuss the fact that those are the only women in the entire movie? Oh. <laughs> That's bad, <laughs> but also not surprising at all. <laughs> I just, I, I think one of my notes was just, I'm genuinely baffled and loving it. <laughs> Megalon looks like a Power Rangers villain. This is the, the point where this just felt like Power Rangers to me. Like, oh yeah, oh the creatures yeah. no longer. I mean, yeah, yes, you can always clearly tell they're in rubber suits, but like, Ghidorah looks like a creature. You know, they make him look yeah. like a creature. Megalon does not. He looks like a guy in a Power Ranger suit. So does Jet Jaguar. Oh, fucking of course with Jet Jaguar. <laughs> 100%. Weird thing that this movie brought up that makes me go, what the hell? So at the very beginning when they're on their beach buggy headed home after the lake just opens up and sucks in all the water, mm -hmm. they mentioned the Moo Empire. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second, that sounds familiar. I looked it up. That's from Atragon, a Toho movie from 1961. So apparently that movie is currently canon in the Godzilla universe. Interesting. Good yeah, people. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you how much uh, hard work and research they put into this movie to really kind of uh, just flesh it out and make it one of the more um, in-depth installments. I can't even say that with a straight face, but 
No, I love when uh, Megalon's jumping around like a crack-addled grasshopper. Oh, my God. What the <laughs> fuck is even that scene? I love it. Yeah, like you said, I love how shooting Ghidorah's lightning the whole time. Uh, I love how at one point Jet Jaguar just idles in front of a helicopter, and it doesn't even look like he's, like, floating or anything in the air. He's I know, right? sitting still. He's just literally, like, just there. Like, it looks like someone copy and pasted his image just, like, right next to a helicopter. I love the fact when he goes to recruit Godzilla – when he shows up, he is human size and starts doing sign language to Godzilla to get him to come to the mainland because of, you know, Megalon. And it's just like, Godzilla's 165 feet tall. How the hell is he, you know, seeing what the hell Jet Jaguar is even doing? And not to mention when Jet Jaguar goes to find him, he's just like sitting there patiently with his, like Godzilla's oh, yeah, sitting there like, patiently with his hands in like a prayer position. <laughs> It's like it's almost like he was bored. He's like, please, God, send something to you know get me off this godforsaken island. Oh, continuity error right here. So Godzilla lives on Monster Island in this movie, Mm -hmm. which this movie takes place in the seventies. Monster Island doesn't show up until nineteen ninety nine and destroy all monsters. So how the fuck is in the seventies Monster Island already a thing? Don't worry about it. Continuity, boom. Fuck continuity. You think Jet fucking Jaguar gives a shit about continuity? Goddamn, no, no he, he doesn't. he is the continuity. Because <laughs> he's Jet Jaguar. Also, I love the fight when they, like, go back to their little lab and the bad guys are there, like, waiting for him and they fly a drone or whatever. Oh, like, my God. I have that in my notes. It's like, that was surprisingly violent for a kid's the guy's he, face and the yeah, blood like just covered in blood. Out of space. <laughs> and then, right? They start kicking him down, but then he kicks the kid right in the fucking ribs, like a little child, just right in the ribs. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. And then the kid swings off of like that weird, like hanging box thing and kicks the dude right in the chest. Like, I don't know what they were doing, but I don't care. I was so into it. There's just always something interesting or ridiculous happening in this movie. Can we talk about his house for a moment? What the fuck was even his house? I don't know. It was so weird. I also wrote, one of my notes was, uh, this was the year The Exorcist came out. So just so you know where film was in general, like (laughs) there was The Exorcist being made and then there was Godzilla versus Megalon. That's film, baby. Yep. (laughs) Um, My favorite was their explanation for him, uh, for Jet Jaguar growing in size was his determination made him grow that big. That it was his determination. <laughs> it's so good. People need to see this movie. Like anyone listening, if you think oh, this no. whole thing oh, is dude. just goofy and doofy, that's fine. If you think like if Godzilla is just not for you, whatever, grab some beers, sit down with friends, watch this movie. It is a blast. So this is the Godzilla movie that had the most airtime like in the u.s it had like a huge theatrical push for some reason so whenever you know people say oh you're a godzilla fan this is why they have that notion is because this is the one that everyone more or less saw from like the 70s and stuff i mean did it do well at all like did anyone um well it got terrible reviews obviously um bullshit I think it made enough money for Toho to obviously warrant making another Godzilla movie after this. But um, uh, why is this the one that everyone has to fucking know about? Because this is the one where Megalon flies in circles around Jet Jaguar and makes him dizzy. That's fucking wild. Yeah, how does a robot get dizzy? Come on. Where's the logic? And it's not even like he's like, you know, 
spinning around on his heels. No, it is literally a prop that is just being like spun around by a drill. <laughs> There's a conversation kind of during that fight at one point, which I, I might be paraphrasing here, but allow me to, to try and remember my best. How quote. dare you paraphrase? <laughs> is uh, <laughs> This is basically how this conversation goes down. Is one guy goes, whose side is Gagan on? And the other guy goes, Megalons, you stupid idiot. Because there's essentially like this line where he's just like, Megalons, of course. And he's like super serious about it. And you're like, okay, sorry, man. Just wasn't sure. Just making sure. I will admit, though, this final fight, I was intrigued. I was, it's I was awesome. enjoyed. And yeah. It's fucking rad. Front yeah, of that. Um, I wrote that this is the most heroic we ever see Goji act and everything. Like, he looks Honestly, like he, he acts like a. Yeah. He acts like a superhero in this. Like he's like whipping around a tree at one point, like it's a friggin' sword. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, I love how Gagan and Megalon have a blade high five right before. Oh my kick, god! Right before kicking Jet Jaguar's flaccid, unconscious body. <laughs> one of my favorite. Boot him. One of my favorite scenes is um I don't know if this is before or after the Ring of Fire. They get Godzilla and Jet Jaguar in a trap of Ring of Fire. Yep. Thanks to Megalon. And so Godzilla and Jet are like, oh no, whatever shall we do? Gaga, or, uh, Megalon turns around and basically does imitates kiss my ass, guys. <laughs> and I was just like, why? Yeah, there's a whole like Godzilla's entrance into the fight, right? There's like the spaghetti western like Sergio oh Leone God, music. I know. And then he just then he just like gets in the like a kung fu pose and like snaps his shoulders. And I'm just like, is this what we're doing now? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. Sure. You get Bruce Lee Godzilla is the best Godzilla. That's all I gotta oh, yeah. say. I love how people joke like who's the most powerful Godzilla? And someone did like a top 10 where he's supposed to be like, oh, all Godzillas are equally strong. And then it just cuts to the end. He's like 70s Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. 70s Godzilla Fox. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, how could we forget to mention the grand centerpiece of this film, which is the flying kick in the dick that he gives to Megalon. <laughs> and which for anyone listening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, to paint this picture for you. So essentially, Godzilla awkwardly um, and totally unnaturally falling back into the air, but he perfectly just glides forward. Um, so he's sort of laying down while flying forward in the on air, like just above the ground, on his tail, sort of. And then while Jet Jaguar is holding Megalon, just kicks Megalon right in the dick with both feet. He bounces off. He jumps up obviously does it again and then <laughs> scuttles away turns around and throws up a fucking peace sign because that is what this movie is yeah it's and amazing. uh this is also right before this we get to watch freaking jet jaguar break gigan's arm oh yeah it's not even he just like grabs it and just slams it off his knee oh, it's like, fucking awesome f- it's so good yeah, that whole like forty second chunk is like some of the best. That was just oh yeah, oh uh, pure gold. And then at the end of the fight, like it definitely looks like Jet Jaguar and Godzilla are about to kiss. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> and then we wrap up this beautiful masterpiece, or I thought we were wrapping it up with like the traditional like humans waving goodbye to Godzilla, but no, no, there's more. Somehow Jet Jaguar goes back into robot mode and no longer has his own willpower. And they go, well, maybe he'll develop a will next time something dangerous happens. And then the kid hops on his back and this beautiful, beautiful theme song out of nowhere comes. And 
that's the movie the uh the oh, lyrics yeah. one of the lyrics are uh godzilla and jaguar punch 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 and no it's punch 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 yeah punch 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 and it's beautiful it's really fucking amazing and yeah the, i'll i'll quote my favorite lyrics from the song uh when i sum up my feelings about this movie when i say well done jaguar <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Oh my god, this fucking movie. Yep. Your turn. <laughs> Next. Oh man. All right, so thankfully we are uh, we're done. If anyone's on still one, with right? us, whoever's still with us. Thanks. Thanks moms for listening. <laughs> All right. So uh we got that pile of shit out of the way. Now you say on pile to the of next... shit, I say masterpiece. So this next film is Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. When archaeologist Seiko deciphers an ancient Okinawan prophecy foretelling of a monster which will appear to destroy the world, Godzilla suddenly appears from the creator of Mount Fuji and goes on a rampage. However, Godzilla's friend Anguirus attacks him, aware that the Godzilla is actually an imposter. The real Godzilla soon arrives to challenge his double, exposing it to be a robotic doppelganger called Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla is under control of the Black Hole Planet 3 aliens who aim to conquer the Earth yet again. Seiko and her allies Kaisuke Shimizu now race to awaken the ancient Okinawan guardian deity King Caesar to defeat Mechagodzilla. Pursued by the sinister alien Agent Yanagawa and shadowed by the mysterious Interpol Agent Nanbara. So this one is in my top five favorite Godzilla movies. I adore the hell out of this one. So this is now officially 20 years since Gojira first was in theaters. And Toho realized we need to do something special. And we should celebrate the Godzilla series properly. So what do they do? They actually give Jun Fukuda a budget to work with. And it shows. Because this is instantly, in the first minutes of the movie, you see that production quality is skyrocketed phenomenally and it feels like a movie and not just you know some kids program and oh my god i just i could go on for hours on why i love this one so much (laughs) i'm gonna pick up the assist there and yeah i i really loved this this was awesome i was really excited to see kind of the wackiness of the 70s trend of where these last couple 70s movies were i was excited to kind of see them turn that into an actual narrative with actual decent characters and great production value like you said and holy fuck are these some of the coolest fight scenes we have gotten in this entire like chunk of movies so far and i was absolutely blown away when we get to like the 35 minute mark or something and we have a fight that feels like the end of the movie. Like you have that like burning city with Mechagodzilla and Godzilla Oh, and the industrial it. complex. Amazing. Oh my God. It's so good. So good. And I was just really impressed by the fact that I think this one found this really good balance of like kind of the like wistful, fantastical elements of like those ones that we love so much from earlier, but also kind of gets a little pulpier and a little more like midnight movie with like that 70s twist you know like it's yeah almost, it's almost grindhousey at times and just how weird it is but you manage to take it seriously because the movie takes it seriously and yeah i would um, say that oh sorry go ahead oh for me this movie takes the fantasy elements that were introduced in mothra versus godzilla along with the sci-fi elements that were in invasion of astro monster and does a beautiful job like mixing them together Because, like, the prophecy plot, some people don't like it, but I actually love it because it gives it kind of like an adventure 
tone to it because they're going from like Tokyo to it certainly you know, has an Okinawa. Indiana Jones vibe for sure. Yeah, especially when they're like going through the cave and stuff to get to the aliens base and everything and yeah and you cross that with like i mean not to spoil the lead but gorilla aliens yeah. <laughs> that are again and all these weird elements surprisingly work i mean and it just goes to show with clever writing and good storytelling i mean the way that all these wacky elements are introduced are done in such a way that you you buy into it in this world and you accept it and if you're on board for the weird decisions they make you're gonna have an awesome time because it, it really i think the scene where the movie turned for me is when they first reveal the gorilla aliens right there's like this when they're early, on the boat right yeah earlier in the movie there was like a little bit of i had a problem with this one human fight because it had like this funky you know like that 70s like like music in the background but then this chase didn't have that at all and it was like a fist fight that turned into a chase and turned into a guy getting shot and that guy ended up being a gorilla alien and it was all very cool and a really cool reveal and yeah it just felt very like it's the difference between pulpy and like or like just plain cheesy and dumb and like pulpy you know where like this just gave you some weird shit to really enjoy and i love when they take those risks and i loved seeing i don't know if it always meshed really well for me kind of like the new agey alien technology with mechagodzilla meshing with like the ancient prophecy stuff with king caesar for me, I kind of felt like the vibe of the story was supposed to be mysticism, you know, the traditional Japanese like mysticism versus modern day tech. I that's, felt like that's that true. was, I felt like they were kind of trying to go with like that maybe as a subtle theme of the movie. And I think overall, I did, I did get on board with it. I mean, I never really, there was nothing in this movie that really turned me off. I mean, I was totally cool with all the wacky decisions they're making. And I have to say, Nambara is the best human character in any of these movies he's fucking awesome when i found out he was going to be not only a good guy but like a badass agent yeah okay cool i'm on board let's do this and i like how like even up to like half the movie of him doing sketchy shit he's like what are you talking about i'm a reporter until finally yeah i know like 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 he he comes off as this like creepy stalker because he's always wearing like kind of like a trench coat aviator sunglasses and he's always smoking even at mm-hmm. you know wearing the glasses at night too so you're given the vibes that he's not who he is but he like later flips and boom he's a hero and it's just like whoa that was i wasn't expecting that it's cool yeah and he instantly becomes less threatening and more just like you know just cool yeah i mean he he's he's easily my favorite character so far of any of these and that's not a creature you know and let's let's talk about the main event here let's talk about mechagodzilla oh wait can i uh i want to mention if goro matsumi who plays the main villain he's really good too oh my god i love he chooses the scenery so well in this movie he does oh my god like i love how he's just like oh you're not gonna help me repair mechagodzilla i guess i'll just fucking kill your daughter then yeah he's a massive piece of shit and it really works oh my god he just he he does such a good job in this movie (laughs) All right, yeah, so let's move on to Mechagodzilla. Yeah, so he, oh man, it's so cool because I guess I thought that this wouldn't be that exciting because you see that trope a lot, right? It's like, oh, the hero's going to fight a robot version of themselves, right? We've seen that in so many things, anime, movies, whatever. But they do a really good job of like, he doesn't fight like Godzilla. He doesn't necessarily he's more really vicious than godzilla exactly he's hardcore and he has all these different weapons and they really take advantage of that and boy when those weapons go off is it sick 
And like I said, oh, yeah. that first battle with just like the entire place being engulfed in flames, because you have that moment, right? Where like at the beginning where we kind of think that, you know, Godzilla is doing all this evil shit. And then they reveal very cleverly uh, kind of peeling back the suit a little bit, revealing that it's Mechagodzilla under there. Really cool stuff. And I don't know. I just, I, once real Godzilla came out, I was, I was cheering already and I'm like, we're a half hour in and I'm ready. Let's do this. And they do a good job of just making it feel epic. There's a really cool shot of like all the main characters kind of watching this battle go down covered in flames. And you see the flames reflected off the windshield and Fukuda really directs the fuck out of this thing. And I'm, I totally give him props and it really, as much as I love a lot of Honda's work on this franchise, he just added this really refreshing take of like a good movie on here that I really enjoyed. Yeah. So to get into some of the fights and stuff, the first fight is uh, Mechagodzilla versus Anguirus. And for starters, the music that plays during this fucking slaps. This is some of the best music does, in the yeah. franchise, that jazz soundtrack. There's so much energy to it. And we easily see that it's not Godzilla during this fight because A, he's fighting Anguirus, who even the characters in the movie recognize as Godzilla's ally. So they're like, hmm, this ain't right. And then he breaks Anguirus's jaw. Like Mechagodzilla full on just King Kong's his jaw. And it's just like, what the fuck? So, and it's bloody too. Like blood squirts everywhere. It gets all over Mechagodzilla's hands. And they do a good job letting the audience know that this isn't Godzilla during the fight because they actually switch between two suits. One that's clearly something's wrong with it and then the other is the one where a small bit of skin chipped away. And I just love that, that they're trying to show the audience, hey, there's something, something's not right here. Yeah, this movie is an amazing combination of like subtle storytelling and also like broad strokes too. Like they know kind of when to go broad and when to go subtle. And I think that's why this movie works so well and why it nails that wacky, crazy, like I said, like midnight movie tone. Like I would love to see this in the middle of the night at like a indie theater with a bunch of people, you know covid be damned but um, yeah <laughs> you know maybe one day maybe one day i don't know i just was so impressed by the combination just the commitment to making what could be very cheesy effects really work and just making this a really fun genre flick let alone a really good godzilla movie too i was amazed at how much i actually cared about a lot of the human stuff yeah the human stuff was really fun to watch because it's that pulpy like adventure that they have going on with the characters like we get some characters that are out by mount fuji some in okinawa and it's just like how they're all like kind of getting together and everything Mm -hmm. is this the one where the one guy's kind of forced to work with the aliens too and and his arc is really great too yeah akihiko harata returning Mm -hmm. yet again Yeah, the final battle in this movie is—it's a spectacle. Like, oh man, it's fucking cool. It is cool. so good. Yep. So we get introduced to a new kaiju, King Caesar. Yeah, who, we just do. like Jet gets his own theme song. Um, he does, but it's more of a more of a Mothra type theme song. Um, yeah. Also sung by someone to summon him, which is cool. Yep. I wish it was just a little shorter because it's the song. I think repeats itself. I think after its first go through, it should that that should have been it. Um, yeah, it's also King Caesar's cool, but it maybe builds him up a little too much. Yeah, exactly. So cutting that song in half would have been fine. Sure. One thing I really love that King Caesar can do is when Mechagodzilla uses laser beam eye things. <laughs> yeah. King Caesar reflected them right back at him. I thought that was sick. 
Oh, yeah. And just, like, the way they fight, like, they brought back the shoulder-flipping the suits and everything. And King Caesar gets his ass kicked. Mechagodzilla does not hold back. And that was fun to watch. Like, he's, like, shoving his hand, like, trying to choke him out. And, yeah, Mechagodzilla does not fuck around in this movie. Oh, he's a mean bastard, and I love it. And it actually makes you – this is another movie that does a good job of actually making Godzilla sympathetic because he's not a mean bastard for once. Yeah, no – they do a really good job of him kind of coming in and being like, you know, you kind of get this vibe. He's like, why are you giving me a bad name, bro? Let's fucking hash yeah. this out. One of my favorite shots is when Godzilla gets reintroduced back into the final battle and he's slowly coming up that hill and everything. And he's just like slowly seeing his eyes raise above it. Oh, dude, that is such a menacing shot of Godzilla. Like he's in there to fuck shit up. Yeah, the cinematography here is probably my favorite cinematography in any of these so far. And Oh, yeah. The one shot, it's like this long pan of first we get, uh, I think it's like Caesar in the background and then Mechagodzilla and then it swings around and you get Mechagodzilla's shoulder and then Godzilla or vice versa. It's one of those. Yeah. It swings around and shows all three and has this really, again, talking about those like, just like how he did in Ebra, like he, he loves those face off shots and me being a huge fan of samurai movies and westerns i'm all about that shit and he makes these things feel like duels and that's what's so exciting about them and then after that you get you get that swing pan you get this beautiful wide of all three of them and mecha godzilla just simultaneously firing weapons at both of them he turns his oh head my God. blasts king caesar and then shoots his little toe rockets at goji and it's sick it's so cool yep i was amazed that was that was the moment i got up and clapped and i was just like this is fucking awesome yeah, this movie, like, and, you know, we may sound like we're just saying, oh, yeah, he lets loose. No, they fucking let loose with the explosions and pyros in this movie. The pyrotechnics are so impressive. And you could tell they were just bragging at this point. You could tell this was the first one with a budget in a long time. And they were like, all right, we've been stocking up. Let's fucking do this. And boy, does it pay off. Oh, my so God. Good. And I love the way on how Godzilla defeats Mechagodzilla, too. For starters, a we, magnet. we we skipped one part that was very shocking that almost scarred me as a kid. Godzilla gets turned into a blood fountain. Oh yeah! Oh my god! He gets those like rocket things in him, and yeah. he's just like I don't know. Were they darts? What were they? They're some. Um, I don't know what the hell they were supposed to be. I think they were just supposed to be like missiles, but for some reason they didn't explode on impact. But they're just but, hanging out of him, and he's gushing blood. Yeah, like it is violent like the blood is pouring out of poor godzilla in this one yep. and then he turns into a magnet which was set up earlier in the movie where he gets zapped by lightning yep. casually gets zapped by lightning <laughs> earlier in the movie just because why not yeah they love zapping these creatures with lightning yeah so he turns into a magnet and fucks with mecha godzilla for a while before luring him back onto the ground and then letting king caesar just body slam him about eight times <laughs> And then they just, he slowly like twists Mechagodzilla's head all the way around until it just literally pops off and Snap that puppy. Snap it right off. Oh my God. It was so cool. Yeah. This, this movie really turns you into, as you can hear from us talking, it really turns you into just like a giddy kid and you just, it's so much fun. It's exactly what like you picture as a kid playing with action figures. Like this is the kind of cool shit that movies can do and they make it all about what they know the audience came for. And because they know that they have to spend some time focusing on humans, they make that shit fun and fast, just like the monster stuff. And 
there is no moments that feel like a slog there's no like this movie just goes and i had fun the entire time it was oh my god i know and this is probably one of the prettiest godzilla movies out there absolutely like the colors just pop it's so vibrant like the restoration was gorgeous too yeah oh my god the restoration on this was just beautiful oh my god like i can't sing this film's praise enough uh, I was excited because, again, much like Gigan, Mechagodzilla was a character I obviously knew about, but I was worried. I was like, I, I hope he doesn't get done dirty like Gigan, and boy, does, do they do him justice. Like, he actually oh, yeah. has a great fucking movie. Like, um, this is also one of the first times we see the monsters lock beams during their beam attacks and everything. That was fucking cool, too. It was so cool. Yep. And apparently that actually took Toho's uh, special effects crew a long time to do that shot. Like, did they go over budget for this movie at all? I just, they that's, must all have. I kept, that's all I kept thinking of watching this. They must have. Yeah. But it, it paid off, man. They even redesigned Godzilla a little from the past movie. I think it's like the same suit, just a new head. Because mm-hmm. in the last one, he looked way too heroic and kind and cuddly and stuff. So in yes. this one, they sharpened him up a little, and he actually looks menacing again. I, I remember I thinking that I liked him better in this one, too, just like his look. Um, yeah. was definitely an improvement over some of the hammier looks we've gotten in the past few movies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man. You got anything else on that one? Just I can't believe they had to go and do my boy Angiris that dirty. <laughs> yeah but him getting his mouth torn open was kind of awesome oh yeah it was awesome but it, it was sadly the last time we ever got to see him until uh 2004 jesus that long yep god damn all yep. right <laughs> so next up is the final film in this whole little show area here which is terror of mechagodzilla so this is a direct sequel Um, picking up directly after Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla with Interpol searching for the wreckage of Mechagodzilla. Rather than any remains, they find the colossal dinosaur, Titanosaurus, which destroys their submarine. Marine biologist Akira Ichinose works alongside Interpol agent Jiro Murakoshi to uncover the mystery around Titanosaurus and the disgraced scientist who discovered him, Shinzo Mifune. Unbeknownst to them, Mifune has aligned himself with the Black Hole Planet 3 aliens, offering them the services of Titanosaurus, who is under his control, and helping to repair Mechagodzilla. When both the rebuilt Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus are unleashed in Tokyo by the aliens, Godzilla faces an uphill battle against two powerful foes, and humanity must find a way to help even the odds. So, this one, I have to say, I, I did like it. I just think that it was, I guess I'll call it one of the weaker of the good ones in general, of the the yeah. kind of ones just over the bar. I mean, this one is barely above average. And I think that's, you know, Shiro Honda comes back to direct this one. And you can definitely tell. I mean, Fukuda and him have such different directorial styles that unfortunately, oh, yeah. I think because the last one was such a successful Fukuda one, it's a little jarring when you get to this and it, is much slower, more meditative, and Ishiro Honda kind of chose to go a little more moody and dark with this one. And yeah. normally I'd like that, but at this point I was kind of past accepting that between the last couple, Megalon and <laughs> Mechagodzilla. You know, obviously Mechagodzilla is a superior film, but both of them were fast-paced and fun, whereas this was really neither of those. So it's a little jarring. It feels a little strange, especially for a finale where you would think things would just kind of keep ramping up and... I think 
strangely enough too and i hate to say it some of the effects throughout this one i feel like were a little spotty and i feel like i am very good at acknowledging like the time and place a movie was made you know and usually uh, that doesn't get me or distract me but some of the stuff especially the submarine work just oh yeah looked like a toy in a bathtub and it really took me out of it from that first scene and it, it especially kinda, with how like stiff the swimming titanosaurus looked yeah and if we want to get on the topic of Titanosaurus, he looks cool. I hate the way he sounds. Oh, <laughs> you're not the only Godzilla fan, man. <laughs> and yeah, and I think this is another one I wish I had more to say about. I think it's, there are some cool fights there, but they're just not, it feels like compared to the last movie, this just feels like a lot of energy got sucked out of the room. And Yeah. Um, like even like the color palette for the filming and everything, it's a lot of like grays, browns and that. So it lacks the vibrancy that the past Godzilla movie just had. So especially where we're binging this series for this podcast, we're watching them back to back. It's whiplash because like I was just saying, I love Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, but Terror of Mechagodzilla kind of just sucked all that fun out. Like I get Godzilla's always been good for telling serious stories when they want to. But this one, it just, it felt half-baked. It's also one of the shorter ones, too. This is not even an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. But it feels longer at the same time. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, like I said, I just feel like a lot of that's due to the pacing. I mean, this is a movie that, if this was not related to a villain we had just seen, if if this was not a direct sequel to the last one, I think this movie, and if they had stripped away like a couple subplots here and there, I think this movie would be pretty strong. It would be a cool kind of callback to that more meditative, slow, haunting atmosphere of the, the first one. But you just can't do that when we're coming off a crazy rampaging ape alien plot, you know? Yeah. And now there's this whole... You know, this movie's trying to tackle just so much, so like, much stuff. Like the guilt of the scientist, the cyborg daughter. daughter. The, yeah, I mean, and some of the shots of this movie, like her in the beginning, like laying on the rocks, looking out in the ocean are beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. They're, this is some of, I think, my favorite work Ishiro Honda did for directing the kaiju scenes. Cause Visually, this especially, is, yeah. Oh my god, like the introduction for Godzilla in this is so well done. Like you don't see him at first, you just see his atomic blast hit Titanosaurus. Yep. And then it slowly pans over and you see Godzilla's silhouette and the light slowly shines on him as he lets out his roar as his theme starts playing. And I'm just like, that is badass. And it was so badass that Michael Dotery kind of did his own version of it in King of the Monsters. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen people posting about that on Twitter, and it was just like they did shot comparisons for it. I'll talk about it when we get to that movie. Sweet. Yeah, for like the standoff things, too, there was a lot of like cool shots where like Godzilla and Titanosaurus would, you know, kind of like square up on each other, and the camera would do like a 180 where it'd start on one side with Godzilla and then kind of like pan around to be Titanosaurus's POV. Oh, yeah, there's some just fantastic film work from Honda and everything. Yeah, and it's it's a huge bummer. I, I feel like this kind of reminds me of a really well-directed, like, Marvel sequel with too many villains. You know, like, it kind of feels like... And honestly, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla ran the risk of doing that. But I think having two heroes is a little easier to balance because you're not trying to create two different threats and two different 
motivations and sources yeah. of the threats like with king caesar in the last one they just kind of brought him up at the beginning they mentioned him slowly enough throughout the movie so that by the time he comes around to the end you accept it you're like okay sure fine we've mentioned this is going to be a thing here we go but with this titanosaurus is introduced right from the beginning and you're kind of like wait isn't this a mecha godzilla movie and then mecha godzilla comes into it and then yeah by that point is not even really in the movie that much either we kind of he's not no. he's being repaired for like 90 percent of the movie yeah i will say something that aside from the cinematography which i do think was really really well done and i like some of the darker subplots again i just wish that fleshed out a little more yeah or like again maybe this would fit in a different place in the franchise it's just here it felt very yeah. weird and jarring but another thing i really liked about it was that the humans had a better they finally found a way to make the humans useful in this movie like the whole uh what they do to titanosaurus right like don't they yeah. um they use like a pitch or something yeah uh sonar frequency sonar that's it yeah and um I wish that monster movies did that more because there's so many times when we're just like, oh man, if only the humans had a reason to be around this destruction and they just yeah. kind of have them running around as that's, we run into that with the modern films a lot. And this one actually found a pretty useful thing for them to be around. So I, I liked that. And yeah. I liked a lot of the cinematography. I liked a lot of, yeah, I think I made note of like the, you know, first shot of Godzilla with the music, then circling the shot of him and Titanosaurus squaring off is great. And like, there's so much cool stuff in here. It's just a, a bummer that it doesn't feel like it really meshes well. This is also like the first and only time we see an on-screen suicide for the Godzilla franchise, which is really dark. Yeah, this movie gets really dark. I mean, this is one of the darker ones, I would say. Maybe one yeah. of the darkest since the original. And yeah, I, I like the idea of Godzilla in a 2v1 fight. And I like the idea of the humans helping him. I thought there was a lot of cool stuff here. I thought Godzilla stomping through like Titanosaurus making like a tail storm behind him was really good. But yeah, again, this was another one that kind of felt like pieces of different great films stitched together, you know, and to make a mediocre yep. film. And I think it was just above mediocre. I think it was like, I think it was good. I, I think it was, it was passable, but it's, yep. but barely, unfortunately. And I wanted more from it and I feel bad because again, yeah, I really love Honda. I think he's great, but I just wish there was a little more going on. Yeah. And to bring up something, this was the lowest attended Godzilla movie at wow. the time. I really? think still to this date, this is the one that out of all of them, this is the one that killed the franchise. Which is crazy At, because this movie is so much better than a lot of the movies in the franchise. Yeah, and Toho never intended this to be the end of the Showa era, but it just, time was up and people yeah. weren't into Godzilla anymore. So Toho finally decided to throw in the towel. And it just sucks because especially with the high note that we just had with the original Mechagodzilla, it sucks that we kind of got a half-baked concept for a movie. Yeah, and it, it's weird too because it. I feel like a lot of it was there already for it. I, I think just with what they were trying to do, like the whole like tragic story of the cyborg daughter, I kind of feel like this is a story that would have been handled better by Fukuda, honestly, because it was weird enough but had to be tied to reality a little bit where I feel yeah. like Ishiro Honda is better with kind of like subtle weird, like more fantasy, you know? Um, yeah. He, he makes his movies feel like these whimsical fantasies, which is why we get those gorgeous shots with like her laying on the rocks by the ocean. And like, you know, it feels very, his movies feel very mystical. And I feel like that wasn't really what was called for here. I feel like this was supposed to be more of a 
kind of have that pulp from the one before it, but you could have even made it darker. And I think Fukuda could have done that. I just think it, it needed that commitment to the pulpiness that I don't really think Honda was willing to do. Yeah, I will admit, uh, this movie has one of my favorite shots of Godzilla at the hour and 22 mark. What's that? And it's so brief. It's only like three seconds, but it's when he was finally defeating Titanosaurus. Like he blasted him a couple times with atomic breath and it just cuts to this and he's like giving him an evil glare and it's just so well shot. I swear it's the most menacing Godzilla had been since the first film. And he's just like giving this evil eye to Titanosaurus as... Yeah, I remember that actually. He collapses back into the ocean and just like, Jesus Christ, he was not fucking around. I did really appreciate... Back to the cinematography, too. I feel like this was the first time they really used those shots under the monsters to make them feel huge. You get, even in those infamous bathtub shots of the submarine, <laughs> you, you get these really fucking cool undershots of Titanosaurus that look brilliant. And I'm like, fuck, why didn't you use that more? That's so good. And if they had just put like a miniature boat or something in the foreground, like you really could have made that fucking awesome. So I just feel like there were a couple missed opportunities here with how much creativity there was and how much I think Honda still had a lot of creativity in the tank here. I think it just unfortunately wasn't implemented into the story very well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not going to lie. When we get the final shot of Godzilla swimming away, I got not like choked up, but I got like a sense of like almost nostalgia and like, I'm going to miss this. Like, as much as we just suffered through probably the worst half of the Godzilla franchise, I got this feeling it was like, damn, I'm, I'm actually going to kind of miss this now that, I mean, yeah, we're going on to the better franchise of the series, but it's just like, I don't know, there was some part of me that was like kind of going to miss the charm that the Showa era had. I really love that final shot. And if you don't mind, if we kind of move on to sort of our overall thoughts on the Showa era from yeah, here, I feel definitely. like that's a pretty good segue. For me, this was crazy because obviously I've never binged a series like this. And I was so yeah. afraid that I was going to be, I mean, we're 15 of, we still have 20 more movies to go and King Kong movies. So I was yeah. so worried that I was going to be fatigued. But honestly, the fact that even towards the end there with like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and my, my, my ironic love for Megalon, I really feel like I like rejuvenated and I'm ready to take on more of the series already. And it started to feel like the end of an era by that point. And yeah, I felt the same way, man. Like I, I was like, God, was I so ready to be over some of the show stuff. But at the same time, all it took was like one really good movie for me to just be like, Oh man, I love this shit though. You know? And yeah. I do feel that the series was probably ready to move on at this point, but I think overall I really have enjoyed this experience so far and it's, it's been really cool good so yeah man are you uh you ready to rank these puppies fuck yeah so why don't you go first so having seen them and if you want right. to kind of as you go if you want to kind of explain to myself and the audience if there's any that have sort of changed or either fallen or risen in your in your ranking at all yeah so um obviously when we were first doing this we also made a ranking of the first nine so between the first nine and the full 15 i've only moved around a handful of the movies so yeah for my top five is mothra versus godzilla that's number one because that is one of the best of the franchise that is a high mark for sure then invasion of astro monster son of godzilla wow uh, godzilla. number three yep 
Dude, Woo. childhood nostalgia is strong. I know you love one. it. I know you love it. I love and that you it's love honestly, it. It's honestly one of those, the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, I fucking love this movie. That's fair. Then at number four, I have Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla. Okay. Which, I, I after rewatching it recently, I'm just like, yep, this is truly one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Then it would feel illegal if I did not put this in the top five, but Gojira. I'm surprised had, it's that low, honestly. For its own movie, I love it, but because I grew up on, you know, on the Showa era, you know, later movies and totally didn't understand the metaphors of what Godzilla was, I preferred the more fantastical giant monster side of things and not the more down-to-earth human, you know, actual mood pieces. I totally get that. Then at number six, I got King Kong versus Godzilla. Wow. At seven, I have Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. At eight, I have Destroy All Monsters, which I actually made a joke on my uh, original ranking. It felt wrong to have it that low, but in all honesty, it kind of feels right having it there. Sure. Then at number nine is Ebera, Horror of the Deep. Ten, I have Terror of Mechagodzilla. Eleven is Raids Again. Okay, these next three could all kind of just switch around. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of just bottom tier in my opinion, (laughs) so it's not like they really... You know, I'll gladly watch one of them over the other sometimes. And mm-hmm. But it goes, for this ranking, I have versus Gigan versus Hedorah. And then lastly, Godzilla versus Megalon. Honestly, like I was just saying, switch those around any order. Sure. But at number 15, and will always <laughs> stay at the bottom, is All Monsters Attack. All right. Nice. Yeah, so it seems like the ones you were the most surprised by in your ranking were kind of like Destroy and... What was the other one? Was it Gigan, I think, that you had originally thought you had had yeah, higher hopes for? I, yeah, my childhood nostalgia for Godzilla versus Gigan was kind of getting through to me. I was just like, yeah, I remember this one being good. And then rewatching, I was like, oh, God, why did I talk this one up so much? But see, that says something about your your love for Son of Godzilla, and which is why I think it's not just your nostalgia speaking, because, you know, you had that feeling with Gigan, but clearly Son of Godzilla still holds up for you, so... Yeah, even when you get to see the practical set. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's part of the charm, right? So I'm going to do my list in countdown mode. So I'm going to start at 15. All right. I'll work my way up. So 15, you know what it is. It's all monsters attack. It's fucking horrible. It's really bad. 14 is Gigan. I thought the action was cool, but it just wasn't memorable. Yep. 13, this is going to hurt. I'm sorry. Son of Godzilla. It just did not connect with me. The enemies were kind of lame, and Minya is it's demon Minya. spawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 12 is Raids Again. Very much like Gigan. I feel like it's forgettable, but it has a couple great mm-hmm. moments, you know, as opposed to Gigan. I remember a little more. So, yeah. Um, 11 is King Kong versus Godzilla. I appreciate what it was trying to do. I just didn't connect with the goofy tone the way it wanted me to and and i i wish i could i i just like i was just i don't know for some reason i didn't i weirdly didn't click with it as much as i was hoping but it's got some great moments i'm not denying that at all and honestly i think if any of the ones on this list are going to change or at all i think it's probably that one will probably go up over time for me i can feel that happening but i need a second rewatch to confirm that first then 10 is godzilla versus Tadora. i thought it was crazy but um, again it's another one i can kind of when it's like you know king kong versus godzilla was crazy and knew it whereas hedora felt like the director didn't know it because they were so 
fucked up on drugs. So I kind of appreciated that. Number nine is Terror of Mechagodzilla, kind of for reasons we explained just recently. Yep. You know, it was a lot of promise in there, a lot of it's the one with the most potential that I would have liked. Like if any one of these, you're like, oh, if you could go back and give the director another shot at it, it would be this one. Yeah, definitely. I totally feel you on that. Number eight is Godzilla versus Megalon. I had so much fun with this movie. Um, and for me, a movie that is so bad it's good is better than a movie that's just plain bad. And yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. Entertainment-wise, I got more entertainment out of this than even terror of mechagodzilla and i feel bad saying that out loud but i just i i really appreciated it this one will always have a place in my heart uh seven is destroy all monsters like i said cool 60s sci-fi movie and the monster parts are cool when they happen they just don't happen that often six is ebra this is a fun movie to throw around i like how kind of uh or to throw on i feel like it's i like how inconsequential it feels number five is invasion of astro monster um, I thought this one was really fun. This is another one kind of very similar to Destroy where I feel like it's like that with a little more actual Godzilla. <laughs> and I thought some of the plot was cool and Godzilla's happy dance, man. It's a happy moment. Oh, yeah. Happy <laughs> um, moment indeed. Yep. Number four, uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. I really love this movie. Actually, this is now we're getting into these four I genuinely love. Like I thought Astro Monster was just short of being like greatness for me. Whereas like yep. the top four are like, this is where we're hitting the tier. So Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster was just a fucking blast. I love how iconic a lot of it felt. I love Ghidorah as a villain. He's one of my favorite looking monsters in the whole franchise. And I just love how like pulpy and fun this one was and still kind of had that feeling of Mothra versus Godzilla. Number three, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I really, 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 this one's going to stick with me, man. This And that oh, one, yeah. these top three are like cream of the crop. I just fucking love this movie. Number two, it's going to surprise you, Gojira. I, I knew it. Yeah, I knew. Dude. Oh, Mothra got me. She got me. Dude, I, I think when it comes down to it, when I think about what movie I'm going to want to sit down, throw in, rewatch, it's not going to be Gojira. Gojira is a movie I can acknowledge is probably the best film that will ever be made about Godzilla, you know, from a storytelling perspective. But as far as a movie that would mean something personally to me, Mothra hit me on levels I was not expecting. It was a total surprise and I was so happy. So it's really cool that despite all the differences in our list, we have the same number one. And yep. It's going to be really hard. It's hard enough for anything to beat out Gojira, but it's going to be really hard for anything in the future to beat out the movie that beat out Gojira. So uh, there, there's a couple I'm waiting for you to get to. We'll I see, just want to, we'll see. I'm excited. So did you have any sort of final thoughts on this, on this rewatch of the Showa era before we proceed um, to the next one? I'm surprised at how well some of these held up. Yeah. Like it, it baffles me at how well like the effects hold up. I mean, yeah, some of the blue screen doesn't hold up nearly as well. And I, even during the time they were made, they were criticized for their effects. But when Godzilla is good, they nail it. And I think both of our top fives are showcases of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, this has been so much fun going through these and like kind of, uh, I'm really excited to see what's to come and I don't know what to expect. I mean, this is a, a franchise that now it's exceeded a lot of my expectations and subverted a lot of my expectations. And I'm interested to see what sort of genres they play with in the future, what sort of twists on 
Godzilla lore. I mean, like I said, this is something that's constantly reinventing itself around the world that it takes place in. And it's always a reminder that these movies are related to the real world, you know, and, and as cheesy and goofy and insane as they are, sometimes they really are grounded and have this heart. So this is such a unique franchise in that. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm really excited to see what's to come. Yeah. Um, was there any Godzilla monsters that you really liked at all? So if I'm to say my top three like creature designs in this entire thing, I won't pick out specific movies because I'm not as savvy yet with like pick, yeah. remembering each suit from every movie. But Ghidorah always looks great. Um, yeah. Even when he didn't look great, he still looked great. And then Mothra looks fucking awesome. And Anguirus. <laughs> Those are like the top three coolest looking creatures, I think, that at least in this period... And I, I kind of roping that all in with like their attacks and the way they move yeah. and all that too. Because if it's just cool looks, like Gigan would probably be in there somewhere, but unfortunately they don't do enough with him. So yeah. What about you? For me, it's uh this is obviously excluding Godzilla because he'd be at automatic number one. Sure. But uh for me, I love um Anguirus. He's my number one boy. Yep. Um, especially the design that we see in Destroy All Monsters and then for the rest of the Showa era. That design yeah. is one of my favorites. Mothra as well, just because of how well they were able to like do the design for Mothra. And not going to lie, yeah. rewatching it, Mechagodzilla just did design is iconic. And I love the fact that he literally has his initials on his arm. I'm like, that's thug. Wait, I don't even remember that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, oh. and what's funny is in Terror of Mechagodzilla, he has a two below it. God damn it. It's like a yep. little like a little mom tattoo on his arm. Yep. <laughs> All right, man. Um without further ado, I guess we'll uh we'll say goodbye for now. That's uh yeah. that's our episode two of Escape to Monster Island. Thank you so much for anyone who has listened to this front to back. Again, my name's Wes Skinner. This is Josh Lapierre. We will be doing more episodes of this. Uh, we'll be doing the Heisei era next. Hopefully next week. We'll have that out around the weekend. Like I said, this is our very first podcast. You know, we're doing this from the ground up. So uh, we will be taking all sorts of input, suggestions, working to make this better. We're going to have a Twitter page soon, yep. slowly branching out. So our film page and podcast is going to be called the Not Buff Film Buffs. And again, this is the Escape to Monster Island podcast. So yeah, again, I'm Wes. This is Josh. Thank you to Matt Williamson again for doing the artwork. It is beautiful and I love him for it. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye. Thank you guys. Bye.